What's going on, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today we're just going to give you a quick update on the NBA and what's been going on the first week of games. Um, let's just hop into it right away because I'm feeling pretty good about some of my predictions, so I'm going to give myself a tap on the back after only a few days of the league and the season starting. Um, first off, Brandon Miller. Um, he looks incredible. He is so patient. He's hitting all of the shots he's given. He's shown attitude. He got chest to chest with beef stew from Detroit, uh, had a massive dunk over him in the fourth quarter. The three point shooting looks great. The decision-making looks great. The effort on defense looks great. Um, you know, I defended him before coming into the season just as, Hey, why the hell are people not like on this guy's bandwagon? And I just wanted to start the podcast by saying, like, people need to get on the bandwagon again. Yeah, I expected a bit of a slower start. There has been a ridiculous amount of apathy around Brandon Miller's name. I wouldn't even call it hate. It's just indifference. It just feels like his name never gets brought up. People just aren't that interested. And me and you said throughout the draft process, this is the third best talented prospect here. Scoot and Victor Wembanyama are awesome. Brandon Miller is also an awesome, awesome offensive piece, and he can fit any team out there. The way that he hits threes, the way that he's been able to score a little bit efficiently inside, he's been passing the ball pretty well. Uh, really just everything we've seen from him through two games, through two games, two games, has been very positive. Yeah, and people might be saying this is like a little bit too early to do a victory lap, and it probably is, but everything I've seen from him, I've watched every minute of him so far this season, everything I've seen from him seems so repeatable. Um, why would his defensive effort slip? Why would he stop chasing around guards on screens? Why? If he's doing it now, like, and Steve Clifford's a defensive head coach, I think he's building good habits right away. In terms of cutting, finding open space, hitting knockdown threes, hitting above the break threes and being a threat in transition to either dunk or hit a three or make the correct pass. Why does any of that change? That's exactly what he did in college and it's happening immediately on the Hornets. So I just think, you know, we had him as the second ranked player for a few months. We had him over scoot for a few months because of how much we believed in this guy. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty close to putting him above Scoot again, especially we'll t we'll do a little bit on some rookies, but like I've just been wildly impressed by Brandon Miller. Um and I I'm already pretty comfortable saying like the Hornets made the right pick there at number 2. I think the Hornets did make a great pick. The fight between LaMelo and Scoot on who was going to be the number 1 guy would have been pretty ugly to watch in its first years. And we said this from the beginning, Brandon Miller just slots in immediately. There's no hiccups, there's no flaws bringing a wing onto your team who's this dynamic offensively. Um, I still think Scoot has all-star potential, potential all-NBA status. Uh, Brandon Miller is awesome offensively. I'm obviously not as high on him as you are. I'm going to wait a little bit and see, but from what I've seen so far, it's been perfect. And let's talk about the Thompson Twins, because these are the people we wanted to talk about next. They have not been as flawless offensively. Uh, what I said about the Thompson Twins going into this is this is two six seven guys, seven-foot wingspans, and already one of the best athletes in the NBA. That is a high enough floor to be productive right away. Amen Thompson has a ton of offensive issues to work out. Asar probably does as well. Uh, but defensively, they've been showstoppers. Offensively, it's where it's been really rough. 
Yeah, and just as, uh, again, this is like the smallest sample size humanly possible, but this is Asar, who we're going to talk about here first. He's shooting 26% from the floor and 30% from three. Excuse me, 20% from three. Um, that is about as low as humanly possible. I don't think I've ever seen numbers that low. But he's excelled at every other part of the game. Every other part of the game. He is an elite defender and it sounds funny to say, but he might just be like a Hall of Fame level rebounder at his position. Um, I don't understand. He's chasing the ball wherever it goes and using his athleticism to track it down. And in interviews, he's been asked, you know, why are you rebounding the way you're rebounding? And he just says, you know, talent only carries you so far. The effort is kind of what takes you to that next level. I think if you're a Pistons fan, that's exactly what you want to hear. Um, and he's always been really good at making the extra pass, too. So the Twins are in a weird spot where, you know, they're great at everything except for putting the ball in the hoop. And that's that was a concern I had, especially for their landing spots before the season started. I know I was pretty vocal about uh, men's struggles with this rocket spacing. It was the same issue with Detroit and their spacing. Um, I think as the court opens up for those two guys, their scoring becomes a little bit easier. I agree. And I think a big part of a men's struggles has to do with where they're trying to place him, which is at small forward. If you look at basketball reference, 80% of his minutes so far have been at small forward and there aren't many. Obviously we're going off a small sample size with all of this, but this is a guard. This is a six foot seven guard. He thrives best getting everyone else involved first and worrying about scoring second. And when you're putting him in the corner or on the wing and telling him to take seven threes in an NBA game, that's just obviously not where he's going to do his best work. Um, if this is something that's, you know, what we should be expecting moving forward with the Rockets, I'm really going to be disappointed because Amen Thompson just oozes talent, man. You can watch it at every level he's played at so far. To put him in a position where you're just like a guy who takes threes and you can't do that, it's such a misuse of talent. Yeah, what's really strange about both these guys is, like, they are highlight machines, but all of the stuff they do that gets highlights is not buckets. It's, look at this crazy block, or look at this crazy pass, or this steal was incredible. Look how high he jumped on this rebound. None of it is putting the ball in the hoop, uh, which is, like, the most important thing in the sport, but they're so good at everything else. Um, I know you just touched on the Rockets. And the first look for both of these guys is they, like, the talent is there. Like you said, it just bleeds out. Um, I'll touch on the Pistons quickly. They look a little bit better than I thought they would. I thought they were going to be the best team in the league. Uh, the worst team in the league, excuse me. The Rockets look a little bit worse than I expected. I thought they were going to be a little bit better than they are. But, yeah, the Twins, the Twins have been an interesting start to their careers for sure. I'm still just as high on them as I was before, but you have to acknowledge how poorly they've started to start the season. Um, I want to talk about our teams, and I want to start with the Celtics, because the defense and the potential that the starting five has is unbelievable. I said this to you before the pod. Um, Derek White was listed under top 100. NBA.com did not, or the ringer, didn't consider him a top 100 player. When he's out there, when the starting five is all out there, it feels like there's five all-stars. Derek White is not an incredibly offensively dynamic dude, but what he does defensively is insane. And him and Drew Holiday next to each other, we just, it's its so hard to create offense against this Celtics team. Kristaps is a guy who can block shots inside. Al Horford, when he wants to switch, we just have so many different options defensively. 
Yeah, I, I started from the beginning of last season saying Derek White is the best role player in the league. That dude is incredible, and he is kind of a pseudo-all-star. Like, it feels like some games he reaches that level of talent, um, and then he can take a backseat as well, which is super unique. And I told you pre-show, like, it's almost kind of surprising they haven't won a title yet. They pass the ball basically better than any other team in the league. Their defense is so connected, um, you know... It just feels they have a top six or seven guy in the league in Tatum. That is like a recipe for a championship in Boston. And, you know, we forgot to give our championship picks this year. I'm fine with that. The Celtics are climbing the ladder. I really want to respect what Denver did last year and how difficult they were to beat. But just off of pure talent alone and just hypotheticals, the Celtics seem like the greatest challengers to the Nuggets defending their title. As someone who's been delusional about the Celtics for years now, every single year feels like the year we should be winning the title. Um, To hear someone else say it is a little refreshing. Um, I think this is absolutely a very good year. I mean, at least the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be incredible. Um, Who knows if the Bucs can even be stopped when Giannis and Dame are both on. So that'll be just something to watch. But just the regular season, I think the Celtics defense is going to be top three. I think the Celtics offense is again going to be really high, probably top three, top five, because the strategy of just keep the ball moving until you find an open three-point shooter with the level of three-point shooters the Celtics have, it's just a beautiful strategy. It's going to keep working. Yeah, that's how basketball is meant to be played. Keep swinging the ball until the most open shot is available. And that's how the Celtics have been playing basketball for two and a half years now. So, And they brought in players that are comfortable fitting that role. Right. Like Porzingis. Yeah, he loves to shoot, but he's comfortable giving the ball up and letting the more talented players run the offense. It's not like he's, you know, a black hole at all. Yeah, um, they're and, really on Drew Holiday. Holes. Yeah, Drew Holiday loves to give up the ball to other players and take turns. So they're building a culture there where defense is important and ball movement is important. And like I said, they have a superstar level player like. I don't know how you create a better recipe for a title than what the Celtics have going on right now. I don't know either. Um, I really think I've said this a couple of times now, and you can kind of see it from game one. If the Celtics start off as the number one seed, Kristaps Porzingis could be an all-star this year. He put up 30 points and four blocks in his debut, shut the Knicks out in the first and the fourth quarter. If that kind of play continues and the Celtics are the one seed, they're definitely, there's a big chance he gets put in as a third all-star. Yeah, there's a good chance the Celtics have a very good chance to do whatever they feel like doing this year. However many players they want on All-NBA, All-Defense, All-Star, champ, you know, they can do whatever they feel like. It's true. Um, Let's move on to the Cavs. Yeah, uh, my Cavs. So they are starting the season in an odd fashion. Uh, No Jared Allen and Darius Garland has sat two of the games uh, so far that they've played two out of the three. So I don't really get a good indication of what this team actually is right now. Donovan Mitchell's still an all-NBA-level talent. Uh, Max Struess is what I want to talk about first. He is a perfect signing for this team. Perfect. I knew it when it happened. I've been saying it all summer long. I don't think people who don't watch the Cavs quite understand how important he is to what they're going to do. Um, that dude will shoot, shoot, shoot if you let him. And just the threat of a guy that can hit 7 to 13 threes uh, being on the Cavs completely changes how you have to play defense against them. So he's been really impressive to me so far, even though 
two out of the three games, he's been inefficient. He had one game where he kind of just took over offensively. Obviously, we know where we're going here next. Evan Mobley. Um, to start the season, I was pretty frustrated, to be quite honest. Uh, he had 10 shot attempts in the first two games. 11 against Brooklyn, finished with 10 points. 12 against the Thunder, finished with 14 points. Had three of those shots blocked by Chet Holmgren. Um, that start to the season was pretty upsetting to me, just because everyone's been telling us over the summer, oh, watch out, watch out, watch out. He's got it. He's finally got it. Um, and it, through those two games, it didn't look like anything had changed. It took him until the fourth quarter to realize he was stronger than Chet Holmgren. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what more I can say there. But then last night against Indiana, he drops 33 points. This is a guy who, when he actually tries to score the basketball, can score very effectively. But we'll just finish a game with 10 shot attempts and 10 points. There has to be a way where this doesn't happen to him two out of three games, where he finishes with under 16 points. It's just It just should never happen. Um, so I'm super encouraged by what I saw against Indiana in the 33-point game. But I'm starting to get sick and tired of the Cavs not being able to find him good shots over and over and over again. Yeah, and honestly, it's a it's a mix of the Cavs not finding him good shots and a bit of passiveness from Mobley to not be yeah. the guy to demand those shots. It is a little tough when you've got Donovan Mitchell out there and Darius Garland to demand shots over them, but he shows the kind of creativity in the paint where he should be shooting the ball. Um, yesterday was a great game for him, even though it was in a loss, being able to put up 30 and 14, 33 and 14. That's an awesome showing. It's unfortunate that it took three of the starters being out for him to realize he can score at that level. Um, he should be able to do that in spot games when they need him to do it. If Mitchell or Garland is having an off night, he should be able to just step up like that. Right. I hope we see it. I was loving what I was hearing from Bickerstaff about, the importance of him being a point center, the importance of him being a guy who handles the ball, brings it up in transition and finds teammates and how difficult that is to play against. And me and you have talked about that for what, three years now since he was drafted. Um, If we see that we've been saying this every year, but if we see that that is the best version of Evan Mobley and that's how the Cavs reach their ceiling. Yeah. And I've never seen it not work. I think that's what frustrates me too, is every time he brings the ball up and drives to the hoop, defenses aren't set he can just barrel his shoulder down and he's not some super strong guy but at the end of the day he's seven foot tall and an extremely coordinated with nice touch around the rim if he gets to within five feet of the rim that ball's probably going in the hoop so again I'm very encouraged by what I saw against Indiana but like you said for the fact that it took three starters being out for him to then take 22 shots that that is frustrating to me and you you called it over the summertime i think an issue we are about to run into in terms of mobley's offensive output is max Struess. you said this over the summer max Struess loves to shoot and there's only so many shots for an entire team and the pecking order is pretty clear right even karis lavert's going to be taking more shots than evan mobley this year because he has the ball in his hands and what would karis lavert rather do pass or shoot shoot duh uh, and same thing with Max Struess. So 
This is going to be an interesting year. Uh, through three games, he's averaging 19 points. Obviously, it's super inflated by that 33-point uh, performance. I'm just excited for this team to get healthy. I can't get a read on them right now. All I know is their offense is going to be impossible to stop. That's what I know. Um, but their defense looks shaky because Allen's out. I don't really know what that looks like, and I'd love to see Darius Garland in the steps he's taken over the summer as well. So I'm, I'm kind of up in the air with my team right now. Yeah, you can't get a perfect picture picture on it yet. Donovan Mitchell didn't play the last game. Darius Garland's only played one. Jared Allen's missed all three. We don't have a full sense of what the starting five actually looks like. Um, there are some things that I've noticed that I've talked to you about that I do think the Cavs are going to struggle with especially when you have these lineups where Jared Allen's out and it's just Evan Mobley at the five, and that's the perimeter shooting. Um, Obviously, when Allen comes back, all of that gets a bit easier because Mobley's the kind of guy who can chase a wing around on the perimeter. But without that, it seems like guys can get shots up pretty easily from the perimeter against the Cavs. It was an issue they dealt with last year. Um, seemed a little bit fluky, the extent to which opponents could shoot contested threes against the Cavs. But if it keeps up, man, there's probably something to it. (laughs) It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, You know, the the perimeter defense is always something that's been interesting, you know, especially in the Eastern Conference when you're going to be facing guys like Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White, I'll even throw in there. Um, It is, it is a question. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland aren't exactly known for locking in and stopping team, uh, stopping guys. So, yeah, this year's going to be really interesting. I, I'm just super excited to see them fully healthy because I think the offensive output with Struess and the flexibility of lineups now, now that you bring in Niang, who can play the small four, um, I, I'm just excited. But, yeah, as of right now, I kind of feel indifferent towards my cats. I'm, I'm honestly not super excited to watch them right now. Uh, just because it feels like a, it's not even my team that I root for. It's so incomplete. It's so injured. I, I haven't really been enjoying them, but uh, hopefully we can kind of pick it up and get back into gear. Yeah, they'll get there. Um, I want to talk about a team I have been enjoying, the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion is healthy, and what we could have expected is happening. They look awesome. They are so much fun to watch. The team flows so well. Uh, Herb Jones has been excellent. He's just, he is such an incredible defensive piece. And the fact that he's hit almost every three he's taken so far is just golden. Um, I love this team, man. I just pray that the health keeps up for Zion because with him healthy, they are absolutely fighting for a really good seed in the West. Yeah, Zion's looked really, really good. Uh, That is scary for the rest of the league. 24 points per game on 62% field goal percentage. That is his game. That is his game. He's going to give you 24-plus on above 60% efficiency from the floor, and it's just going to be incredibly hard to stop. Um, the Herb Jones news is big, right? If he has any offensive output, he becomes an unbelievable player because of how special he is defensively. Uh, me and you have spoken about this team and their potential if Zion's healthy. I have the fullest belief in this team if he's healthy. Right now, it looks great. Let's give it a few more weeks, but I'm very happy with what I've seen so far from this team as well. Yeah, if we get to a point in a couple weeks where Zion's missing a bunch of games, they're not worth watching anymore. But while we're in this moment, while everybody's healthy, do yourself a favor and watch the Pelicans. Zion, you know, year after year is just this guy who is an unstoppable, incredible force around the paint. And... Man, second in defense through two games, obviously small sample size, but their defense always looks awesome when they're all together. 
I want to see Zion locked in defensively again. We saw flashes of it right before he got hurt again, where he understood what his flaws were, and he was like actively working on it and talking about it at the pressers. I loved that. I want to get back to that. Yeah, exactly. I'm a huge Zion fan. I think we both are on this podcast. I would love to see him actually, you know, have a healthy season and potentially play some playoff basketball. But uh, there's another team I want to talk about. I talked about them briefly with the Star Thompson, just the Pistons in general. I really went in on them uh, during the offseason. I said Troy Weaver had no idea what he was doing and they had no direction as a franchise. And a part of me still believes that. But it's much harder to say confidently when you have Cade Cunningham putting up 25 and 10s. Um, and you have Jalen Duran putting up basically the best three-game stretch a center could possibly put up as a 19-year-old. When you have those two guys that you're like, absolutely, those are above-average NBA players. And then you have Asar Thompson, who's this weird like amalgamation of skills except for scoring. And he's playing really well as well. Like. You can kind of see the talent starting to add up on the Pistons. I just hate the fit of everything. But at least they have three guys where you can be like, hey, those are going to be good NBA guys. Absolutely. The young talent is there. Now it's time to like get vets, get some other experienced NBA players and not surround them with Killian Hayes and Alec Burks and Jaden Ivey and, you know, all of the randoms that they have. Um, Cade Cunningham looks incredible, man. I... This is what we've been waiting for is some efficient three-point shooting from Cade and just some healthy play. When he plays, he runs offense so effectively. He's just a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes passing the ball. Um, I love watching him play. I want to see the scoring keep up. He had a 30-point game already. I want to see that from him. I think we could see Cade in the All-Star game. Maybe as soon as next year. I don't think this year because the Pistons just won't be good enough, but as soon as next year, potentially. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And they're beating teams that are better than them, and I think that is a huge uh, you know, statement about Cade. You know, the year before Cade got hurt, his rookie season, they were kind of like the magic last year where they started rattling off wins in the second half. And it kind of made you think, oh, heading into next year, watch out for the Pistons. Well, Cade broke his wrist or whatever it was, so he missed the entire season. And it kind of feels like this is just a continuation of Cade's rookie season, where they were beating teams they weren't supposed to be beating, and it was off the back of Cade's incredible performances. Um, Like, they beat the Bulls the other night when Zach Levine had a 50-point performance. Like, the Pistons never win those games in the past. And then the Pistons walked into Charlotte and beat a team that I have a lot of respect for. I know you, I know you don't, but they beat them fair and square. And that, like, that's a game they probably wouldn't have won in the past either. So they're showing a little bit more heart. They have a respectable head coach that me and you both like in Monty Williams now. I don't know. I just think I maybe was a little too harsh on the Pistons, and I'm glad to see Cade finally play because he's one of my favorite watches in the league. I think at the least we're seeing that there's a blueprint here for what they're trying to do moving forward. And what we felt like in the offseason was like they kind of still had no direction. They still weren't sure what they were doing. But we're seeing it's at least looking good so far. Um, I I don't know how I feel about some of the young guards Jaden Ivey and Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, we're done with. I think we can done. We're we're done pretending like he is going to be a plus NBA player. Jaden Ivey has so much pressure on him, and you're giving me the thumbs down, and I don't blame you, man. It's really hard for him to come out 
have the kind of year he had his rookie year where he was very efficient, inefficient, struggled on defense, picked it up a bit towards the end, but that's when you're playing the worst competition and what can you really make of it? Um, I think there's just a ton of eyes on Jaden Ivey to not suck considering how well Cade Cunningham's doing so far. Yeah, I'm like weirdly out on Ivy already. Like I don't need to see anymore, which probably is stupid, but I, I, I'm just going to pretend like he's not an NBA player. And I think Beef Stew's kind of like insanely overpaid and overrated as well. Um, so this team, I still hate it, right? Like I still hate the way it's constructed. Marvin Bagley being paid what he's being paid. Them trading for James Wiseman. All of it's idiot shit, in my opinion. But when you have a guy in Cade Cunningham who is an all-star caliber player, whether he makes the game or not, and then you have a guy like Jalen Duran, who we we have to kind of start throwing him in the same conversations as like Chet Mobley. And like he's having such dominant impact in games already as a 19-year-old. Like why are we placing a ceiling on him on what he can be? Like this might be baby Dwight Howard. We have no fucking idea. So, yeah, those two guys I'm in love with. Jalen Duran, third among all teenagers in terms of double-doubles. Dwight yeah. Howard is second, Moses Malone in first. He's catching them, man. He is, he's just incredible as a 19-year-old. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see a couple of the pieces of the Pistons moving forward. And then I'm very apathetic towards the rest. Um, <laughs> I want to move on and talk about a team that I, I've just been very pleasantly surprised with so far, the Dallas Mavericks. And I want to start by highlighting a guy that we have talked about more than most NBA podcasts, I can assure you. Derek Lively II. Um, He has been a starter so far. He has looked great. He has been able to catch alley-oops and block shots. And if you heard us talk about it before, that's what he needs to do to be an effective NBA player. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to pat myself on the back a little bit, for sure. It's super early again, literally the smallest sample size imaginable, but... I think it's really easy to picture a career for Derek Lively doing exactly what he's doing right now, which is rolling hard and playing defense. And if he has an above average playmaker to set him up for these opportunities, and he has two of them in Dallas with Kyrie and Luca, his life is made so much easier. And we're kind of already seeing the dividends of this. He's shooting 93% from the floor through two games. All of these shots are him floating in the air and dropping the ball in the bucket, right? So uh, yeah, it looks like that draft pick was a hit, like kind of just guaranteed because of how badly they needed depth at the center spot. Um, and it's kind of nice to have for them to have a center who's capable of running up and down the court. Like he's just a fast guy for his size, and I don't think they've had a lot of that in the last few years. So, yeah, man, the, the Mavs look good. They've got a true seven-footer, man. They've got a true seven-footer who they can start and rely on. Um, I feel like they haven't had that in a while. I think if, I mean, if Derek Lively can be a starter immediately, that's something that just blows me away. Maybe I would have thought maybe 25 games in, we would be seeing him as a starter and, you know, Dwight Powell and Rashawn Holmes would be doing most of the center work. The fact that they threw him in immediately and they're getting wins and he's impacting the game. I am so impressed because we saw him flounder a little bit in the summer league and I was very concerned for him moving forward. I also want to highlight Grant Williams, perfect role player for this team. Man, we knew it was going to happen. We saw him guard Wemby and give him, you know, as much muscle as he could. And it was pretty impressive. 
Um, I'm I'm very bummed that Grant Williams is not a Celtic. He was going to be a great role player wherever he ended up. Yeah, he he was a perfect fit for the Mavericks, and he did do a really good job guarding Wemby. Um, it was kind of like a meatball guarding <laughs> Wemby, just all of his center of gravity just at Wemby's waist, and there wasn't really much Wemby could do about it other than take jump shots all night. Um, and we we have to talk about Luca. I mean. This com- this pod's been kind of weird on Luca. We've had some time, especially me, especially me. I think more so me than you. Um, I despise his style of play. I really do. Um, it drives me a little crazy. But it's so effective. It is so effective. Like, he had a game the other night that just makes you think to yourself, like, am I wrong about what I'm saying? Um, you know, I know he's a top five guy. It's just... Is, it, is that an effective play style to build chemistry with your teammates and go win a championship? And then he does what he did the other night. I forget what, yeah, 49 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 0 turnovers. I mean, he won the game by himself. There's no other way to say it. So, yeah, he's he's been incredible to start this season. He ended that game with four clutch threes back to back to back to back, one of them being yeah. a hook shot. Ridiculous yeah. shit. Absolutely ridiculous shit. Um, it's It's... You know, we have gone a little bit back and forth on it, but it's just when he puts up the numbers he does, it's like James Harden on the Rockets back, you know, five, six years ago. Um, When you average 40-something points for a month, we kind of have to not talk about the foul baiting, as annoying as the foul baiting is. And through all these games, Luka is complaining about every single touch. He's yelling at the refs all the time. None of that's changed, but it leads to success. And he looks amazing. He's efficient the whole time. Um, I definitely, I can't tell you you're wrong when it comes to it being a not fun to watch play style at times, man. Yeah. And would I want to be a teammate on that floor? No. Um, but if they can assemble the right pieces around him, it will lead to success. Yeah. And they've given him options to catch oops for him now. And they, they have built a team around him where it's like, all right, these are guys that are used to just standing around and catching and shooting and playing defense or catching lobs and standing around and playing defense. So they have built the roster that would promote Luca's success, and they've given him an emergency valve in Kyrie if he's not having an on night. So, you know, maybe I think we both took the under on the Mavericks just because of the Kyrie bonanza that could happen at any moment. But this is a team that could outperform their over-under by a large margin if the Kyrie bonanza doesn't happen. And if we get to the point at the end of the season where the Mavs are a top four seed and Luca's averaging 32, 10 and 10 or 32, nine and nine, how is he not the MVP? It would be Jokic. Yeah. Giannis, that would win it. Yeah. 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 Um, it's going to be a crazy race, man. I, I think that's a definite. Uh, we brought up Wemby for a second there. We might as well talk about him while he is like one of the most famous players in the league already. Every clip of him um, is viral. It's kind of incredible what he's been able to produce in terms of just attention as a rookie. I, I haven't really seen anything quite like it. Maybe Zion, but not really. Um, Wemby threw two games, 18 points. He's averaging eight and a half rebounds. And he's averaging two and a half steals and two blocks per game. So he's he's doing everything. The efficiency is kind of the issue. Um, I got to watch him against the Mavericks. I did not get to watch him against the Rockets. Um, he looked really good against the Mavericks. The issue I do see 
happening with him early on, though, is he wants to go and block everything. And he's getting foul baited. He, people are tricking him. People are taking odd angles on him. So there's body contact and he's getting called for knickknack fouls. That'll probably go away later in the season. Um, but that's how they're going to get him right now. And that's how they're going to take advantage of his aggressiveness when it comes to shot blocking. But I've been super impressed from what I've seen so far. Yeah. And I'm still really not moving off of my initial predictions somewhere in the ballpark of 20, 21 points, 10 boards, three assists, at least a block and a half, if not two blocks. Um, you can just see it. You can just see the way when you watch him, the way he just fills up stat sheets, I think the the defense is something, all those little knick-knack fouls, that is something you learn just from the NBA. It's not something he really has experience with in France, so I think there's a transition period there for him. But he is going to be a dude. I mean, he's already the kind of dude where you've seen people do fast breaks and he's there waiting for them, and they just stop and they look for something else to do because there's no chance I'm putting a layup against Wemby. Um you know, it's we're, we're two games in and people are terrified. I'm so excited to see what this turns into. You are so right. Anything he does is viral. I have seen every single shot attempt <laughs> on TikTok or Twitter or somewhere. Every time he does anything, if he breathes, somebody's got a video of it. Yeah, and it's really, it's good because it allows like new and up and coming fans to engage with the game really easily and engage with one of the, you know, newest young great players um, being like sitting down and actually watching a game of his, if you love the nuance of basketball, is really fun as well. Just because of what you said, the space he takes up defensively on the court is unlike anything I've ever seen, and probably unlike anything the NBA has ever seen. Like, even with Yao Ming, Yao Ming was taller than him, but he wasn't fleet on his foot. Wasn't yeah, he wasn't quick on his feet enough to like get up to the perimeter and then come back to the rim. Wemby literally eliminates a side of the court. And it, I've never seen that amount of defensive impact. And you're right, he's a rookie and people are terrified of him. You don't see that often. We've seen a clip already of him contesting a drive to the basket and he's at the perimeter and he stretches down to the restricted area to swat at a, to swat at a drive. Just the length that he has and the space that he can cover is unbelievable. Um, I think as we kind of predicted, though, the Spurs as a team aren't very fun to watch. Outside of Wembenyama, I love Devin Vassell. I think he's a good shooter. Um, but there's not a whole lot super exciting going on in San Antonio outside of Wembenyama. What's interesting is it, as individual players, I would probably lean no, but both of their games so far have been wildly entertaining. Uh, they went down to the wire with the Mavericks and Luka, and it took a Luka go-ahead shot to end that game. And then when it came down to the Rockets, it was an overtime game that they won against the Rockets. So, Jeremy Sohan had some ice cold one-handed free throws. Yes, yes. And I, for a sicko like me, I enjoy watching Jeremy Sohan every once in a while. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know. I think they play really hard and you can see the identity of Popovich leaking through the team. And with the defensive foundation that comes with Wemby, they're going to keep games close. They're never going to be like completely out of it unless their shots are just not falling that night. Um, but yeah, I, I think Webby's been super, super cool. And I'm really excited for him to have his first efficient night scoring the basketball. Because I think against the Rockets, he went like 0 for 6 from 3 or something. I can't wait till he has one of those games where it's just like, what do you do? Yeah, man, I'm very excited for that. And I think one thing about the Spurs, even though I just said there's not a lot of interesting talent, 
they are not going to lose games the way the Houston Rockets lose games. I don't think so. I, I, I'm going to get into this now because it's early and because I'm angry at what I've seen. The Rockets very clearly could be, again, the worst team in basketball. Um, They put up a 30-point loss to the Magic in opening night in just a pathetic showing in which, you know, in typical Rockets fashion, they quit in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not seeing anything I'm very impressed with so far. I had so many high high praises for everything going on in Houston. It's so early, but to think the Spurs could be a lower seed than the Rockets based on just how the first two games have gone, I'm not believing it right now. I'm kind of there with you. I think the Spurs are probably above the Rockets in my eyes, which is concerning if you're a fan of Houston's. Um, And there's no get, like, fix-all solution for them they spent all their money already in free agency and those guys were supposed to turn them into a fringe playoff team well from what i'm seeing we're farther away than usual and i've always said this so i feel good about this their young talent's always been overrated always um i've been saying this forever i think jalen green's overrated as hell i think shengun is overrated as hell you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sit and wait on amen thompson i'm gonna sit on wait with jabari smith jr but their guys are overrated as fuck. And unless they take the leap that everyone claims they're going to make, that team's going to suck. Um, so, yeah, dude, the Houston fans are probably devastated right now. Yeah, man, you take some overrated young players and you add some gigantic contracts for players that nobody else really wanted, you do not get a very entertaining product at the end. I want to see Amen Thompson, Jalen Green, Jabari. I just want to see the young guys play, and I don't want us to pretend like this is a team that's going to win the play, going to make a playoff push. I don't care that Fred Van Fleet's here to be a mentor. Be a mentor on the bench, and let's let let's watch the guys with the forty-two inch verticals jump around. Um, that's what we're, that's what this team is, man. It's not like excellent, incredible basketball. I just want to see these incredible talents just hoop. So my one thing for Houston fans to maybe hold on to for some level of optimistic thinking, it would be when Ime Udoka took over as the head coach for the Boston Celtics, it took about 40 games for them to actually understand how to play in his system. Right. true. If you're a Houston Rockets fans right now and you're seeing your team lose games to teams they shouldn't lose to, maybe you can put in seed in the soil and think, hey, this is the foundation they're learning their techniques. Jalen Green will bump up his efficiency in shot making. Amen Thompson will learn how to put the ball in the hoop. These are all things that are just going to happen when they figure out how to play for Ime Udoka. If you want to talk yourself into that, I'm actually going to be fine with that. I just personally do not think it's happening, but I can understand if you convince yourself of that. Yeah, I am not a big enough Rockets fan to give myself that that kind of hope. I'm just going to wait and see in a couple months. I think I'm going to tune right. out of Rockets basketball for a bit. Um, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's going to be it for me though. Do you have anything else? I do. I do. And I think once I say it, you'll have something to say about it as well. The Oklahoma city thunder and just the way they've looked so far, they beat the dog piss out of whoever they played in their first game. And then they beat my calves by coming back from down 10 in the final minute of the game. Um, they have looked spectacular SGA. I did a little tangent on him the other day. Again, 32 points per game, all-NBA level talent. He's cooking. Uh, Lou Dort, great start to the season. Chet Holmgren, defensive anchor we thought he was going to be, right? He's averaging three and a half blocks per game so far. 
that is unique to him, right? He's one of the best shot blockers in the league already. Your boy, Cason Wallace, that you fought for like crazy in the NBA draft discourse, he's played really well. Um, you really can't say anything bad about this team, man. They are, they're frying, they're running, they're experimenting, they're having fun, they're beating the shit out of teams. Very impressed with how they've played so far. This is a fun young team, man. This is a very fun young team. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from them. SGA, I I mean, we we do have to come to an understanding on what level of player he is. We argued on whether or not he's a top 10 player, and this is top 10 player shit, man. 32 and a half yeah. points, eight boards, seven assists, three steals, one and a half blocks. That's top 10 player shit. Uh, that's two-way impact that a lot of guys don't have. You know, the push-off sucks. He's only getting three and a half free throws a game so far. So it's not like he's living at the line for those 32 and a half points. I, yeah. I'm i in love with what I'm seeing. Lou Dort puts guards in prison. He was yeah. putting Mitchell in prison. He is such a strong dude. And the fact that we're getting efficient offense from him isn't something you really hope for. Or isn't something you really expect. Um, Chet Holmgren is skinny as shit, but man, can he block shots when he times that shit right, man. It's just such a fun team. This is a must-watch team. Yeah, and in terms of, you know, how we projected them going forward, I believe we had them missing the playoffs? They're in the play Um, Yeah, they were in the play-in, but they didn't make the playoffs, as far as uh, I remember. But, you know, you look at these performances to start the year, and it kind of makes you think twice, right? Just because of how confident they are in the way they play defense. Um, but I just wanted to bring them up to make sure we got them on the on the record and saying they've looked great out of the gate. They got a game in an hour against the Nuggets, and I am going to be watching the whole thing. Um, yeah. Case and Wallace, just as a dude, I, I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it. Watch Case and Wallace. He is such a smart guard. He is such a fun basketball player. I think this dude is a lock for all rookie teams. All right, I think that probably wraps things up for us here. Ben, do you have anything else to say before we get on out of here? No, that's going to do it for me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.